who is New Mexico State? All you need to know before we get ready to row, it is time for week one. Football is here. Hey, you are no locked on happens, Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant, here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. It's back. It is week one. Game day is Thursday. We've got a shortened week, so we got to talk about the opponent. We got to talk about what you need to know when it comes to this week's opponent, which is New Mexico State. Be sure to follow anywhere you get the podcast and leave a five-star review and also subscribe on YouTube where we are building the community. Now, like I said, we're jumping into the opponent today. So let's talk about, we'll talk a little bit about who who they are, you know, that the changes that have come to the program, New Mexico State. Then we're going to talk about the tendencies that they had in this first game played, of tendencies that their head coaches had in the past, and breaking down uh, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And then we're finally going to close out with key players on their roster. So let's dive in. Like I said, we're jumping in with the coaches and changes and things like that first. Well, New Mexico State in the last three full seasons. So again, we're throwing out the COVID year because the COVID year just, it's different. It hits different. It's not, it's not the same. Now I'm not saying the teams that won that season or had good seasons, they don't get to count it. But in most occasions, it's hard to not scrap that season. So the last three full seasons, seven and 29 overall record for New Mexico State. But there's a new energy there. There's they just had in their first game in the past three, four years, they had over 20,000 fans at their home game. That's the first time in multiple years. There's a new energy. There's a new vibe. Uh, players have been interviewing saying like they they like the feel. They like the style of what is happening there. So things are changing. Times are a changing. So... That said, there's a lot changing within the program as well. There's a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and a new defensive coordinator for New Mexico State. Uh, for you, those of you who don't know, Coach Jerry Kill is the head coach, former Gophers coach. He is the new head coach. He was cheered on here during his time with the Gophers, but things have gotten, I don't know, tense between... Jerry Kill and now Minnesota fans and it's all just based on drama that has happened around here. Now he was here from 2011 to 2015. He went 29 and 29 before leaving the program with a medical emergency or due to health problems and stepping away from the game but then he got back into coaching relatively quickly after that. Uh, the last two years, he's been at TCU, serving as the assistant to the head coach and then the interim head coach. 
Overall, there's usually no harm but no foul for coaches that are leaving their old teams and they're coming to different programs. You know, people celebrate them. You thank them for what they've done, but you're ready to move on. But the parting between Jerry Kill and Minnesota has gotten pretty ugly and dramatic with Kill questioning if he'll even shake P.J. Fleck's hand at the game this week. And also he states that P.J. Fleck doesn't care about his player. I mean... We thought Val Martin was the only drama we were going to deal with this season, but no, we've got Coach Kill coming back to town as well. So just gear for it, prep for it, but we're ready for some football, not the drama. Like we say, save the drama for your mama. But anyways, it adds a little bit of fire to this week one matchup. It it adds some storylines to this week one matchup, and it'll give motivation for both teams to play their best football. Now, the offensive coordinator is Tim Beck. He followed Coach Kill from TCU, where they had some time shared together. But besides at TCU, Tim Beck has coached at Pittsburgh State in Kansas. Not Pittsburgh like Pennsylvania, but Pittsburgh, Kansas, without the H. Um, And he coached at a D2 school there. That's Pittsburgh State, sorry about that, from 1987 to 2019. He coached there in some capacity during that long, over 30-year span. Uh, And then the defensive coordinator is Nate Dryling. He served as the defensive run game coordinator and the inside linebackers coach for the FCS, FCS, my bad again, you know, whatever, FCS school. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, and prior to that, he had spent a year and a half with Oregon under Coach Mario Cristobal as a defensive assistant, and he also served three years as a coach at Pittsburgh State with Tim Beck, so they have some experience together prior to this experience as well, so lots of changes, lots of changes, and how will that affect the impact of this game? How did it turnout for their game this past Saturday in week zero. We're going to talk about that next, but first let's talk about a message from our friends over at the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself, it's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and thank you for making us your first listen when it comes to daily Gophers sports. So we're going to get into the opponent breakdown. We're talking New Mexico State all day today. Tomorrow, we will talk about key players for the Gophers in this matchup and things we need to do to walk out with the win. And then Wednesday, we'll give any injury updates we have. We'll be uh, kind of flying on some different topics on Wednesday. Then Thursday, I'll have a guest on, and we will be doing something a little fun, talking about over-unders, talking about props and lines and 
some good stuff there, and I think you'll really enjoy the guests. So it's a good week. It's a good week, and we are going to have a good time. But let's jump back into this opponent breakdown. So let's jump into those tendencies and the analysis. Gophers, when when Coach Kill coached the Gophers, the Gophers were ranked in the top five among the Big Ten teams in rushing attempts per game during Kill's time here. So five times they got into the top five. Now, in game one with his team, with New Mexico State, his new team, the run pass, so the difference between the number of run plays and the number of pass plays, he had 42% run plays and 58% pass plays. Now, that's not saying that he wants to pass the ball more than what we saw with the Gophers, but what it is saying is that New Mexico State wasn't running well early on. They were only averaging about 3.4 yards a carry on 25 attempts. On top of, they were losing 17-2 to within the second quarter. And they had to start throwing the ball to try to get back into it. Now, if we're looking at the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats, the strengths for this team, this New Mexico State team, there isn't a lot of recent film on them. So their team and their coaches, there's not a lot out there for us to prep for this week. Now, luckily, we did have the Week 0 Saturday game that they played in. If they wouldn't have played in that game, we honestly wouldn't have had any idea. We had very minimal idea on what their personnel looks like as far as who's playing what roles and what their style <clears throat> may be, what their system may be, how, they're, how they form eight. For eh, how their formations are, excuse me, I got cotton mouth right now. And so there would have been a lot of question marks. And there still are some question marks just because they played one game. They know they're playing one game on a short week. So they're not going to try to show everything that they want to roll out against the Gophers, especially when Coach Kill has extra motivation to try to beat his old team. So we still don't have everything they're looking for. If anything, I don't. No team would really do this. Most teams really wouldn't do this. But he could have played a play, a playbook or a small segment of it that he really was just like, you know what, we'll put these out there, but we don't plan on using these at all against Minnesota. We have a whole different portion of the playbook that we are going to use the rest of the year, but game one we just wanted to get that out there and play some football. Now it's a possibility. It truly is. So the strength for this team is that there isn't a lot of film out there for the coaches to study for this week. And even Coach Fleck mentioned that in the media conference on Friday. A weakness for this team is the inability to stop the run game. Now, overall, they they did pretty decent on defense. They, they held the team for a while, but as the team, as Las Vegas, who is the team they played this past weekend, Reno Las Vegas, as they continued to wear down, the defense started giving up lots of chunk yardage, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. So the they might not be able to handle a Big Ten level rush defense or rush because the Big Ten in running is a lot different than majority of conferences. The only ones that maybe would be up there with them is the SEC. I don't even know if I would consider the ACC as quality a run game ground game as the big 10 so 
The Big Ten just does it different, folks, when it comes to running the football. So even with their somewhat struggles against Las Vegas Reno, they're going to have a lot more struggles here with Minnesota. So I think that's great for Mo Ibrahim, for Trey Potts, even for Bryce Williams trying to get worked back in. Another weak weakness for this team was that they were 52% completion against a mediocre secondary. Now, they played two different quarterbacks, so it could be different knowing that they'll probably go with the quarterback that played better in that first week zero game, but the secondary didn't look fantastic for them. Now, another thing is they had eight penalties in one game. Now, none of these penalties were huge penalties. They only ended up giving up about 50 yards in penalty yards, which isn't something you want to do, but even Las Vegas Reno, who they played, had two penalties less, so six penalties, but they had more penalty yardage. So eight penalties, so hopefully we can continue that trend of capitalizing on penalties. Then opportunities-wise, they should be a great opponent for both Mo and Trey to get warmed up, get back into live opportunities, and get a feel for it. It should be a fantastic opponent for that. Also, we should have give the defense opportunities to capitalize on turnovers, which is a goal for this defense, which needs to be improved upon from last year. Even as a top 10 unit last year, we didn't get very many turnovers. So now it's time to get the ball back into the offense's hand quicker with these turnovers and capitalizing on them. And New Mexico State gave up five turnovers in their week zero game. So hopefully we can come away with even two to three just to change the game, just to get that mentality, just to capitalize. That's what you're really looking to do. So those are some opportunities there. And then lastly, the opportunity for our defense to work on stopping the run game. Like I said, they really struggled on the ground against Las Vegas Reno. Well, our defense should be much much better when it comes to caliber of play. So hopefully we will also shut down the run game, put up some more points. They were seven uh Las Vegas Reno was up 17 to 2 at one point. Hopefully the Gophers can build a gap like that or even bigger to really focus on the strength of their defense, which is the secondary and allowing them to cut out the pass game and the run game causing lots of trouble for New Mexico State and allowing the Gophers to really hone in and get in their bag as far as putting it all together. It's the perfect opponent to clean up what we're coming out of camp with. You come out of camp, there's going to be some rust, there's going to be some mistakes, but this is the perfect opportunity to capitalize and clean up and get ready to move towards those week three, week four games where things will get real serious. Lastly, the threats. So it's it's hard for me to think of threats when it comes to this New Mexico State team. It just feels like these two teams are very different when it comes to level of play. So the only couple things I can think of is that one's already played. New Mexico State has already played a game, so they're already getting extra work in. On top of that, you know, that might be a little minuscule, but they started out fast in quarter one. So quarter one, they were out yardage-wise. They were had 94 yards on their offense compared to nine yards of Las Vegas Reno in quarter one. So they got out hot, but they didn't capitalize on that. They threw an interception, and they missed a field goal. That's huge. That's You can't win the yardage game, but then not capitalize on scoring. So 
kind of cancels itself out. And then the last thing is maybe their freshman quarterback could be a threat. He only played late in the game because their initial starter was struggling. But, you know, based on that, the, the new freshman probably will start this game. Now, we'll talk about him to wrap out the players, a couple players to keep an eye on, key players for New Mexico State. But first, I just want to talk about their last game versus Las Vegas Reno. They lost 23-12. to uh, Diego Pavia started, but he threw three interceptions. Or, yeah, he threw three interceptions, and he had one fumble. Then Gavin Franks, that freshman I keep mentioning, came into the game. He threw a touchdown. I'd expect him to start. Um, overall, the team, New Mexico State, had Four interceptions and one fumble for a total of five turnovers. On top of that, their third down efficiency on third downs, they went five for 12. So 42% of their third downs they completed. Not great. Not terrible, but not great. And then on fourth down, they only went for it one time and they did not convert. New Mexico State struggled both offensively. They struggled stopping the run game, especially late in the game. Now, early they had some success, but late they started to struggle. So that's what we're looking at for this Thursday's matchup. Now, let's talk about key players on each side of the ball for New Mexico State. All right, all right. We are talking key players on both sides of the ball. Now, the first one we got to talk about is Gavin Frakes. Freshman, quarterback, actually looked okay in the back half of this game He came, when he came in. He was 9 for 13, which is 69% completion with 143 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. His quarterback rating was an 85.6. Now, he came in and he threw an interception, like I said, but he threw that interception trying to uh, force the ball in between two different defenders in the back left corner of the end zone. There was 33 seconds left, so he was really just going for the score and put it up there. I'm sure it's a receiver that he trusted the most and just threw it up there. It was not a well-advised throw, but 30 seconds left, and you're trying to make up multiple scores. So he just gave it a shot, and that's where the interception came from late in the game. Now, like I said... He is someone that we don't have a full estimation on because he came in late in that game, but he'll likely start this week. So it's something to really hone in on and keep an eye on is hopefully how we adjust to him. Now, when it comes to breaking down players with a collegiate football team, you don't have to worry about them having limited reps with him because they're going to break down every inch of every snap that he took. All 13 pass attempts, we will have reads on they will have broken down this week every run attempt that he gave out they will have broken down this week that that back end of the college football lifestyle and breaking down film and scouting don't they'll look at every inch and cranny like do not worry about that so we'll look at what his tells are what his weaknesses present as in that limited film but i think that we'll find ways i think coach rossi will find ways to throw this freshman quarterback looks that he's probably never seen before because he is a freshman, and that is probably something we can capitalize on. Although he might have looked pretty decent against Las Vegas Reno, our teams are way different. Our teams are, when it comes to defense, our team is levels above that team, so I think we'll give this quarterback a lot to really 
struggle with as we move forward. Now, another player on the offense is Justice Powers. He's a wide receiver senior. Two receptions in this past game for 74 yards. One was a long bomb, 67 yards. He has great size at 6'4", which is an advantage over our cornerbacks. Our cornerbacks don't have the size like that to match up. I believe T-Time is our tallest cornerback. He's 6'1", so he'll have a good three inches on him still. We'll see if that is an advantage at all, but I expect our guys to be more physical, more aggressive, and really attack the ball, so I'm not too worried overall. Cordell David is another and the last guy we're going to talk about on the offensive side. He's a junior. He's a wide receiver. He had seven receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Their only uh, passing touchdown of the game went to Cordell David. He also saw the most targets on their team, and he is six foot three, 195. So they do have some big wide receivers, but again, I don't think it's anything that our secondary cannot handle. Now let's flip to the defensive side of ball where we'll talk about two players that stood out for New Mexico State Aggies. Bryce Jackson was the first one. He is a defensive back. He is a safety uh, senior. He had eight tackles. He led the team. He The team overall had 50 tackles, so he almost had 20% of their tackle production, plus he had a pass breakup. He was number... He wears number 32, so you can keep an eye on him when he's on the field. He's the second highest graded safety on PFF from that week zero, from the first week of games. He had an 80.1 in coverage, so he was pretty solid for them overall. And then you've got Chris Ojo. He's a linebacker, senior, seven tackles and one tackle for loss. He was the sixth highest graded linebacker from week zero for PFF grading. And he also was solid in the pass coverage with a 72.1. So those are the players to keep an eye on. That's the breakdown for New Mexico State. I don't see this game being a struggle for the Gophers overall, but I do see it being a lot of storylines throughout this week, something to keep an eye on, but just get ready for football, folks. It's here. We're ready. It's it's time to row, and this is the show where we'll always continue to row. Thank you for listening to Locked on Golden Gophers. We will talk tomorrow about the Gophers side of things and players to hone in on for this matchup. That'll do it. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.